Welcome to The Friday Habit with Mark Labriola and Benjamin Manley. The Friday Habit is for small business owners, freelancers, and creatives who are ready to take their business to the next level. Join us as we discover how to apply the strategies we learn to grow our businesses, make more money, and live every day like it's Friday. Welcome to the Friday Habits. Ben, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing good. I am making a last minute trip out to Costa Rica tonight. So get my bags packed and just excited to get going. Okay. I love Costa Rica. One of my top <laughs> favorite places. Well, hey, I'm excited for our show today because we have an author on who I'm, I'm a big fan of, who's got a series coming out on Apple soon and has a lot of knowledge, I guess you could say, about a lot of different things. So I'm excited to talk to him about his journeys and and um, artificial intelligence and a bunch of other things. So today we have Hugh Howey on the podcast, and he is the New York Times bestselling author of over 20 novels. His book, Wool, is now a TV show called Silo on Apple TV+, and his Beacon 23 novel comes out later this year on AMC. Uh, his books have been translated in over 40 languages and have sold millions of copies around the world. So Hugh, welcome to the Friday Habit. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we're super excited. Yeah. Now in your in your bio, you know, we, we talk about your books and 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 uh you know all the great things that you've written and all the success you've had there. Um but I'd love to for you to kind of share a little bit of your journey and your story with our audience um, about even how you got to becoming an author and kind of what you were doing with your life before you started writing um, novels and stuff like that. So I'd, I'd love to kind of hear a little bit of that. I mean, did you grow up always thinking that you'd be an, an author or that you wanted to be a writer or how did that kind of come about? Yeah, I'd, I've been dreaming of it since I was 12 or 13 years old. I, I started as an avid reader. Uh, I was one of those kids that like was walked on this mm. street with a book open, you know, bumping in the trash cans and light posts, uh, read under my desk at school. I was just a complete <laughs> bookworm and nerd. And, uh, I read a couple of books when I was like 12, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and Ender's Game that made me want to mm. uh, be a science fiction writer, but I had no idea what to do. I spent 20 years trying to write a book and never could, uh, could finish it. So. Uh, by the time I hit my thirties, I, I don't know if this is, um, common or not, but I thought like all my productive years are behind me, which was so silly in retrospect. Um, but I felt like an impatience and a frustration with like, I, w I didn't feel like I was where I was supposed to be in life, you know? And I was like 32 years old when I sat down to write what would become my first novel. And it's funny looking back now, I realize how young I was mm -hmm. and how much like creative time I had ahead of me. But at the time I felt like I was washed up. So. Just to show what I know. But once I wrote my first book, I was just hooked on it, you know? And I, I was like, I'm, I'm going to write two or three books a year for 10 years and just see if, if I can, uh, you know, make a, make a career out of this. What helped you get over the hump that time? You know, you said you had tried before. What helped you kind of get over, over that and, and get that, that first one done? Uh, I think uh, you know, a lot of things have to build up. It's like a synapse firing in your brain. You know, it's not like you get one input and then it fires off. The neuron has to get like maybe 15 triggers and then it fires. Um, but the one that, the, the one that really, the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, uh, was, I was at a book conference, just covering it as like a, a book reviewer and critic. And, uh, this author, uh, was 
giving a, a talk on a panel and someone in the audience said, Hey, I'm, I've been trying to write a book and I'm not having much success or basically talking like me, but it was someone else. And, and this author just slapped the table and stood up really angry and said, you stop talking about writing you stop telling people you're going to write and you stop asking other people questions about writing and you just sit down and you write. And like my hair was blown back. <laughs> I felt like she was yelling at me. She wasn't even looking at me, but I was like, she sees my psyche. And I, I went home from that and I, yeah. <laughs> you know, a few, a few things kind of culminated. Like I was meeting more authors and realizing that they were just regular people who didn't get in their own way. And I, I was getting in my way for many years. And that was the book that I just sat down and started writing. I didn't care if it was good or not. Um, I just was not going to let myself, um, you know, uh, stop myself. There's no one who could stop me but me. And I'd been doing that for years. Hmm. Hmm. What, what were you doing before 32? I, my first career, I kind of stumbled into it. Um, I was living on a sailboat in college and I dropped out of school and sailed down to the Bahamas and just sailed around for about a year. And just like a vagabond. And I started doing odd jobs on people's boats in, in exchange for food or a little bit of spending money. And um, the, the jobs got more involved and the boats got bigger. And by the time I was like 24, 25, I was driving 150, 160 foot mega yachts uh, all over the world. And it um, was, it paid well, but you couldn't really have a relationship. Uh, it was very much a um, mm. it, it wasn't what I dreamt of doing. It was just kind of something I was good at. And, uh, it was during a lot of these boat deliveries and boat trips where I would have hours at the helm, just staring at the, the horizon. And I was daydreaming about like, yeah, the books I was uh, eventually going to write. And when I got out of, when I got out of yachting and I was like uh, inland with an ex-girlfriend, um, that's when I finally took the time and, and, and started getting these, these novels written. Wow. So when you first sat down to write, like, did you have a certain formula that you followed or, you know, did you get some sort of book at the library? It's like how to write a book. Like what was your process to even start like banging something out that eventually turned into your first novel? The best way to learn to write is to read. Um, it's like playing music. You just have to listen to mm -hmm. a lot of tunes and you, you absorb rules that aren't written down anywhere. They're just, um, shared knowledge that's been passed down through lots of other artists. And when you read books, it's the same. If you talk to mm -hmm. a lot of best-selling authors, they don't know why what they do works, like how to get someone to love a protagonist, like in, in a paragraph, but they've absorbed so much good story that they just figure, you know, they, they regurgitate it. Mm. And, uh, I, I think of reading as like listening to a tuning fork for a writer. You kind of get what the pitch correct before you start, um, you know, with your own voice. And at the time that I, uh, wrote my first book, I was reading and reviewing a novel every day, um, for a website. So every morning wow. I would sit and I would spend eight to 10 hours reading an entire book and then I would write a review and the next day I would do it again. And I was doing that for a few months and wow. going through, you know, hun hundreds of books and it just put me like. I was so full of story that when I, went, when I went to write, it just poured out of me like so easily. Wow. I love that. I love that. And I think that is such a great reminder to everyone, right? To like, it starts with you just doing, 
you know, and that's why I tell a lot of young guys who are coming up who are like, how do I get started? I, I say, start just taking photos, start just making videos, like spend time just doing those things because at some point you'll have the right opportunity and then your skill set will, will be ready to take on that opportunity, which will then beget more work and more opportunity. But really it's about just doing it. I mean, that's what I kind of hear from you. Like you're saying, like, I really was just reading a novel a day and writing about it and absorbing all these, you know, voices and, and ways to, to explain things that then when I came down to do it myself, it just kind of poured out of me. And so, you know, a lot of times people think that, oh, wow, you were just this guy who just was so gifted and talented and you just woke up one day and, and wrote wool. But it's like, well, no, it was the it was the the hours and hours and hours that you spent before then, you know, where you were absorbing all these things that subconsciously were just making you a better writer. Absolutely. Well, I think we've dispelled the myth of the prodigy. Like whenever we find someone who's like, Tim and they wrote mm -hmm. the first opera. Then we find out that they got obsessed with operas when they were like five and spent five years just like listening to opera. Right. And, and so there's always this, this feeling of like overnight success that has a different story behind it. And I, you know, another thing that helped me writing those reviews every day got me in the habit of, of writing daily. And before I was trying to write novels by, I would get a little inspired and I would write a little bit. And then like a week later, I'd write a little bit more. And you cannot finish a novel that way. Like you have to, um, you have to do it daily. And that really unlocked, uh, mm -hmm. that was the big secret for me. Like if you apply something with, with consistency like that, it, it accrues really quickly. Yeah. That's, that's so awesome. And so what, what did you learn about yourself though? Like, like, how are you making money during this time? Were you a barista at a coffee shop? I mean, what? Like, what were you doing? Were you getting paid for the articles that you were writing? Or, like, how are you making a living? Like, what kind of life is that, you know, as an author? Like, when you're first starting out, what kind of sacrifices are you making? And, like, how are you making ends meet in order to kind of pursue that? Because it seems like it's, it's a very time-consuming thing to sit down and, like, write all day. Very time-consuming. I think the key, you know, we, we have this archetype of the starving artist. And there's some truth to it. Like, uh, it doesn't have to be starving in a caloric way, but there are things you have to go without. And it's really helped that I was averse to debt. So I lived a very simple life. I lived on a, I lived five years on a sailboat that yeah. cost me $10,000. You know, people pay more for a car. And I lived out on, at, at anchor a lot. So I had no living expenses. Um, when I was writing, I had saved up money um, in the yachting industry. I lived in a 750 square foot house that I paid cash for. You know, tight, you can't imagine how small uh, this home was. Like the bedroom was basically a bed inside. That was all there was room for. Um, I had no <laughs> debt. Um, I, I didn't do, I, like my, my entertainment was to walk my dog. You know, we went on hikes. Every morning I would put on a crock pot with like cheap, you know, veggies and whatever the cheapest cut of meat was. And it tasted amazing. You know, it's amazing when a can of cream of mushroom soup and some uh, <laughs> dried onions will do to, uh, in a crock pot all day. Um, and so I, w I wasn't unhappy. I was living a great life, but my friends would go out to concerts and fly overseas. And I just um, was concentrating on living a simple life and putting all my energy into my craft. Once I'd written my first book and I, I did a book signing at a bookstore, 
I talked to the manager and they were looking for someone to work part-time, just 30 hours a week, $10 an hour. While I was writing wool, I was making $300 a week before taxes were taken out. And that was more than I needed to pay my bills. So being willing to make that sacrifice gave me a huge advantage over other people. Like I was able to write two or three books a year, which Mm -hmm. is a huge leg up on someone who's writing one book every five years. What I've noticed in the people who who have this kind of success, I mean, most of them are making sacrifices like that. And it really separates you from people who aren't willing to. And that's a question you have to ask yourself if you're trying to Mm. make it in any kind of industry that requires a grind. Are you out hustling nine out of 10 people around you? And if you, if you are, think good things are going to happen mm. just eventually, you know? So how, how many years were you, were you doing that? You know, was Wool your first kind of big success or were some of the other books also starting to fund you slowly over time? You know, how did that work as far as starting to make money on the book side of things? Wool is definitely like completely outsized from everything before. It was my seventh published uh, work. I had uh, five novels and another novelette before that. And things were starting to build. Um, I never thought I would make any money writing. Uh, you know, I, I went into a very low expectation. I had the dream, but I didn't have any expectations of it. So mm-hmm. I had to do it because I loved it. And I told myself that's the only way that I would make mm-hmm. it through lean years and disappointing years. Do it because you love it. Don't do it because you're expecting anything immediately. Because it won't happen immediately and then you'll get frustrated and you'll quit. But I was getting to where I was making like a couple hundred bucks a month just on sales from these other books. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but my living expenses were so low that this was like, you know, all my utilities. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, but then wool hit and things changed. Like within a month, wool was out, out earning everything else that had written. And it was only a 99 cent short story. So I was only making 35 cents a sale, hmm. but the first month I sold a thousand copies and in the next month I sold 10,000 copies and it just kept going up. And so it, it got to where I was making, once I had like the five parts of world published, I was making six figures a month on just, you know, from book sales on Amazon. And I, I, I never thought it would continue. I thought, okay, one month of this sock this away for a rainy day fund, but like, don't expect it ever happen again. And it kept happening (laughs) for like three years, you know? And it was the reason it was happening because I kept thinking, okay, this, this isn't going to continue. So go, go at this as hard as you can. And eventually I realized the reason it's continuing is because you're going at it so hard (laughs) at some point you got to ease up on yourself. Mm. So you, you said you wrote wool as a short story first. And then at what point did you, did you just say like, oh, I need to like turn this into a novel. And then was that hard? Like, it's almost like had you kind of put it to bed and then it was like, okay, now I got to like think of a thousand more pages to write, you know, to fill out this story, to make it a novel. Like how, how did you like go through that process? That's exactly what happened. I, um, I wrote a story where it's, you know, I can spoil it because it's only 50 pages long before you, you figure this out, but all the main characters are dead. And um, I wrote that, <laughs> published it. Didn't I didn't promote it. I just set it aside and went back to my novels. But the reviews, at first I saw the sales. It just like my, my monthly income shot up and I had to go look at my report to see what was happening. And this short story was selling like gangbusters. And so I went and looked at the reviews 
And back then I knew how many reviews I had on everything just at a glance because they, they come in so slowly. And this had hundreds of reviews really quickly. Right. And, and the main, the only complaint people had, the main thing people were asking for was more. They were like, this is, this was amazing, but it was short. Where's the rest of this? And I had no more. That was it. So I had to do exactly what you said. I had to, to sit down and, and imagine the next thousand pages of this story. And because it was successful as a short story, I thought, okay, don't mess up what, what's working. Write another short story that continues this and treat it like comic books or like TV hmm. episodes. Tell in, an entertaining small story that builds the bigger story. And once I started writing, like once I had hmm. three of these out, I was like, okay, it'll take five of these to tell the whole story. And that became the plan. And once the fifth one was published, that was, that was it. I was going to have five short stories, uh, called wool part one through five. And one day someone emailed me and said, Hey, I don't want to click on five links. Can you combine these into a single PDF or something? And I was like, fine, <laughs> just for that one person. I was like, fine, I'll, I'll make your life easier. It took me like half a day to combine the books, put a new cover art on it, upload it in a new product. And that became what's called the wool omnibus. And next thing I knew, everyone else had the same idea this guy had. Instead of buying the five books individually, they just started buying. As a matter of fact, the reviews on the five books were like, don't bother buying this. Go buy the novel instead. Like once you read this one, you're going to want the other one. Save yourself the mm -hmm. money. Go buy the omnibus. So even the reviews on the, on the best-selling short stories were saying, go buy the novel. Next thing I know, that novel was selling so many copies, the New York Times had to list it on their bestseller list. And that changes everything. It was a wow. self-published, you know, the publisher was like my name. And then I had agents <laughs> right. contacting me. I had um, film deals coming at me. It just changed everything once, once that hit the list. Mm. That's so interesting to hear that backstory because Mark and I were actually talking before uh, we started recording and I was talking about how I, I found the structure of the book really cool because how, you know, you have these characters and then you meet these new characters, but then the other characters, as you said, are gone and just like keeps this like chain of these characters. And I was like, I've never read a book quite like that before, but it really worked, you know? And I was like, that's funny to hear how it came together that way. That's really, really cool. Yeah, I don't think I could have published it through a traditional publisher. When I when I took it to uh, publishers, and they were making like incredible offers, but they were also like, "We're not sure about this, you know, how you started, and I we don't know if if you can get away with this." And meanwhile, it's selling like it's outselling all of their books, and so it's not like I'm a genius. <laughs> I right. it was accidental, you know. I stumbled onto this, but it is funny how like um, dealing with people who are very, um, uh, I would say creatively conservative, you know, they, they don't want to, they, they want to kind of recreate mm -hmm. what's already worked. They had a really hard time understanding why this was any kind of success. Mm. That's, that's such a common, I feel like that's such a common thing, you know, um, when someone does something great or different, it's kind of like, oh, well, everyone who was the expert said that that wouldn't work or that wasn't a good idea, you know, and then it's like it worked. You know, when you when you first wrote the short story, did you think like, oh, this is gold, like like this is the best thing I've written? Like what was your thought process after you had written that? Uh, did you think 
I'm going to, this is going to be number one bestseller. Or were you like, okay, that was fun. I'm glad I got those thoughts out of my head and like kind of move on to the next thing. It was more of the latter. Um, I, it was an, all of the first, the little short story I wrote, it was going to be an entire novel, but I was working on other books. People wanted sequels to these other stories. And, but this story was haunting me, the story that became wool. And so my idea was just to get it out as a short story. So I wasn't uh, taking up, you know, headspace and get back to the novels. Um, mm -hmm. When I wrote it, it, to me, it was, it was my favorite thing that I'd written so far. It was deeply emotional. Uh, I loved the mystery and the way you couldn't really understand, you know, no matter what you thought was happening, you would second guess yourself, just like a good mystery novel. But mm -hmm. I didn't think it was commercial at all. Like I, I didn't promote it. I, I charged 99 cents for it and forgot about it. So right. it, it's, it's wild how the things you're most passionate about are probably the things that have the most commercial uh, potential. And, and the opposite is not true. The things you think, if you're just chasing a trend or doing something because you think it has market value, you're probably going to get beat out by someone who happens to be doing something similar, but they're doing it because it's their passion. All right, we're going to pause this conversation here. Uh, go to thefridayhabit.com. There you can find show notes for this episode. Uh, there you can also find links to our websites and ways to get in touch. At the bottom of the page, you can download our guide to the Friday Habit System that will show you how to set aside one full day each week dedicated to working on your business instead of in your business. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear next week's episode, subscribe so you get notified. Uh, also, leave us a review in Apple Podcast app uh, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to potentially be on one of our episodes uh, with a question you ask us, go ahead and record a quick message in your phone, voice memo, and email it to hello at thefridayhabit.com. Until next time, live every day like it's Friday. <laughs>